0: What is up, Steeler fans? Welcome back to another State of the Steelers episode. I'm Daniel, your Steel Curtain Network host, and today we're talking about the Steelers taking on the Indianapolis Colts this week. Are we expecting to see Money Mitch or Mitch too risky in this game? Well, we'll get into all that, but first, let's talk about the state of the Steelers. Let's talk about where they at, where they are in the AFC playoff picture, where they stand in the division, and currently they are number six in the AFC uh, picture at seven and six behind. The hated Cleveland Browns, who are eight and five at number five, the uh, division leaders, I'm sorry, are Baltimore Ravens, 10 and three, who the Steelers need to lose. You know, they need them to lose three of the next four, which is possible. I mean, the Steelers have to get things going right, right. You know, that's the first thing is get them going straight in the right direction. But if we want to take a little peek ahead and say, hey, you know what, if the Steelers can somehow get the ball rolling in the right direction, maybe perhaps with some more practice time with Mitch Trubisky or maybe even a Mason Rudolph siding uh, perhaps could get the spark or give a spark to the Pittsburgh Steelers offense to move in the right direction. They got the defense to do so, in my opinion. I know they got some holes there in the middle linebacker position, and we'll talk about the defense and stuff like that later on. But I do think that, you know, they have the roster plus the rest of the teams in the AFC and in the NFL completely, you know, outside of a handful of them are, are complete mysteries. You know, week to week, not every, there's not one single team. Well, let me rephrase that. There's only a handful of teams that you can say, all right, on a week to week basis, you can count on them to go out there and perform. At their best or to their best of their ability, game in and game out. You know, the rest of the league, not really so. I mean, you can just kind of look at the rest of the teams that are in the hunt here. You know, you have Houston Texans that are seven and six, Denver Broncos, seven and six, Cincinnati Bengals, seven and six, Buffalo Bills, seven and six, Los Angeles Chargers, who are five and eight. So those are some teams right there that uh, were expected to be in the playoff hunt or in the playoffs. Maybe not Houston, maybe not Denver, but the Bengals and Buffalo and even the Chargers. I think the Chargers are always, you know, somebody's sleeper to win the Super Bowl. But those teams, they, they've struggled the entire season and you know although they might be kind of getting it together towards the end of the season here could it be a little too late or could it be just on time as the Steelers are in front of them and they are struggling tremendously having lost to two and ten team teams teams in the last two weeks consecutively that's a lot of twos there sorry about that like I said it's just that the Steelers are in position right now but they have to continue to win and up next they're traveling to Lucas Oil Stadium to take on the Indianapolis Colts who are one of the teams that are are in the playoffs right now who are in danger of losing their playoff position. The Houston Texans, as I mentioned before, have the same record as the Indianapolis Colts. The Pittsburgh Steelers win, Texans wins, Texans take over in that spot for the Colts, and the Colts drop out of being a divisional leader. It really doesn't do anything for the Pittsburgh Steelers as far as positioning goes. Um, they're still going to be in the same spot unless you know Cleveland Browns lose, and I think the Steelers end up having the tiebreaker because of the divisional record. So the Steelers do have the advantage now. They just got to get it together. Even against the Baltimore Ravens, the Steelers Have beaten them head to head. You know, the last four games remaining for Baltimore is going to be away against Jacksonville this weekend on the road against the 49ers. And then they have two home games against the Dolphins and the Steelers to finish things off. I can see the Baltimore Ravens losing three or four of those games, including possibly even that fourth game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, that happens and the Steelers somehow went out, Then they end up taking the division and and get a home playoff game. But we got to put, you know, one step in front of the other before we get there. And even before we get to actually talking about this game against the Indianapolis Colts, I think it's only fair to bring up what's going on off the field right now. You know, I'm sure everybody's heard about the comments that Ben Roethlisberger has been saying in his podcast recently. And I wanted to touch on some of those comments and other comments that are relating to this team off the field. And then in the second half of the show, we'll talk about the on field, uh, matchup between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Colts. So Ben Roethlisberger said in his podcast that maybe the tradition of the Pittsburgh Steelers is done. You know, he also kind of criticized Coach Tomlin's coaching ability when he called a couple of timeouts there, didn't have all the full set of timeouts at the end of the uh, uh, of the game. And, you know, Ben Roethlisberger might be one of the biggest voices in Pittsburgh because he is the Hall of Fame quarterback, but he's not the only voice in Pittsburgh or in the surrounding area that – Love the Pittsburgh Steelers that are kind of saying, hey, is is the message getting stale from Mike Tomlin? He's been the Steelers head coach for 17 years, had 16 winning seasons up to this point, probably going to have number 17 this year. You know, the Steelers are only two games out of, of reaching that point and honestly don't have the dauntest of schedules remaining. I mean, they're all going to be tough. I mean, there's, there's no give me is it anymore." In fact, the two ones that you would have thought were given uh, were the last two games that the Steelers lost. But I digress. So, so Ben Roethlisberger's actual statement was you can't afford in the second half of games to burn silly timeouts and to not have them late in games. Now, That, to me, is bad coaching. So that's a quote from Ben Roethlisberger. And I, I don't I don't think he's wrong. I mean, he also talks about giving Boswell a chance for a 60 yard Field goal, and, and I agree with him. I think his, you know, what he was trying to say was offense for the New England Patriots hand scored since early on in the game, the entire second half of the game, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense took control over the New England Patriots offense and the offense was starting to score points. You know, they, they weren't lining it up or moving the ball down the field all the time, but they put themselves in position that they were able to move the ball back and forth. And if the Steelers got into Field goal range for Chris Boswell, I think that that game goes into overtime. And if they're able to get that game into overtime, given the way the defense was playing at that point, given the way the offense was kind of moving the ball down the field a little bit, you know, there's a good chance that the Steelers end up winning that game. Now, is it a pretty win? Is it a win that everybody was expecting to have against a 2-10 and 10 team? No, but it's a win nonetheless. You know, the Steelers will be 8-5 and five right now. And fifth place in the AFC playoff picture and just two games behind the uh, Baltimore Ravens. And so they really kind of really screwed themselves when it came to losing to these teams, in my opinion. And one other thing that Ben says that really brings attention or a point across is he said, who is grabbing someone's face mask and saying, that's not what we do. You know, he says that on defense, you probably have some of those leaders, but not on offense. And I agree with him. You have a very young team, in my opinion, even even with Mitch Trubisky. Let's just say the Steelers wouldn't have gotten Kenny Pickett and they would have stuck with Mitch Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky, a veteran quarterback who um, had some success in the NFL who's led a team to the playoffs before and a playoff victory in his tenure with the Chicago Bears. So maybe perhaps you're thinking maybe he can bring some leadership to this team, but he's new. Then you bring in a new rookie quarterback that, you know, is destined to take his position. How much weight or how much leadership does he actually have? I mean, you know, a lot of folks talk about the the head coach or an offensive coordinator when you bring in somebody who's you know behind that person that's eventually going to take over for that person's place. You know, the possibility of, you know, a player... You know, not reacting to something that a coach is saying that is on their way out is more likely the attitude of like, who are you? You're you're, you're out of here. You're not going to be the guy anymore could come up. And when you look at this team and how young they are and how immature they are, you know, the possibility of something like that happening is probably greater than not. So when you have a Mitch Trubisky in there, you know, how much leadership can he really pull? He's kind of in the same position where you have the guy that's supposed to be taking over for his position, possibly halfway through the year which ended up being in the first quarter of the year, you know, how much how much weight does he really hold as a captain? So I think that this team was just kind of doomed from the beginning when it came to the mindset, the the type of discipline, the type of character that you want in your in your locker room. I I think that the Steelers kind of put themselves in a disadvantage when you're looking at young, immature players who need some time to grow up. And none other than George Pickens. He talked about his attitude and why he's not so happy. And it has to do with losing. But he also threw in, you know, I can't produce when you're running five-yard routes, three-yard routes, which I agree. I agree. He is not the receiver to be running those type of routes. Now, when I broke down the film on Deontay Johnson and the routes that he was running this past week against the New England Patriots, I saw so many go routes and I saw a lot of deep down the field routes for Deontay Johnson. These weren't routes that I was expecting you know, him to run. I expected him to run the five, three yard routes, the cuts in and out. Maybe perhaps his hamstring is still bothering him and that's why they have him running these routes and they have George Pickens running other routes. But when it came to Deontay Johnson running such deep developing routes, it didn't make sense to me because he wasn't getting any separation. You know, In fact, I was starting to think maybe perhaps he lost a step. There were several occasions where he was on one on one coverage with Juwan Bentley for a middle linebacker for the New England Patriots. Just to kind of give you an example of what type of middle linebacker he is, he is not the Ryan Shazier type. He is more the Landon Roberts, more the Vince Williams type of running back, ran a four, six, seven in the 40 at the combine back in 2018. So it's probably even lost a step since then. And yet he was stride for stride with Deontay Johnson on go routes, on cutting routes you know, routes to the outside. Deontay Johnson's supposed to be king of separation, yet he can't separate from a middle linebacker on one-on-one coverage. Very questionable. I and mean, maybe perhaps it's the routes that he's running and it all could equal out to, you know, trying to protect him from his hamstring and not have him make some cuts here and there and have to ex- accelerate fast you know, out of those cuts and burst out of those cuts. So they could be protecting him, but it is putting George Pickens at a disadvantage. You know, George Pickens has only had three 100-yard performances and three touchdowns, but he hasn't done any of it since October 22nd was the last time he he got 100 yards, and October 29th was the last time he scored a touchdown. So it's been over a month, going on almost two now, that uh, George Pickens has had the production that we, we should expect from a receiver like him and that he res- he expects out of himself. You know, I'm not too surprised when it comes to his dissatisfaction or why he's so angry or upset. It, it makes sense, you know, but he's calling out a lot of different people. I mean, earlier on this year on his Instagram, you know, he he liked something that said that if only the Steelers had a quarterback that could get him the ball. And this last couple of weeks ago, um, I believe he liked a video or shared a video of what looked like Napoleon Dynamite uh, dressed up as Kenny Pickett or a Steelers quarterback with a Steelers jersey. It wasn't Kenny Pickett's jersey, but – it was clearly he was imitating Kenny Pickett. the 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 guy was running around, <laughs> throws the ball into some trash, and then they clip him back, and he's holding his ankle. Pretty funny, I'm not gonna lie, but that's not something that you want your receiver to be liking or or putting out there publicly. Something that looks negative against their quarterback, and it's something that isn't the first time that it's happened. You know, a lot of folks blame. Matt Canada and, and yeah, he's, he was not a great offensive coordinator. He was a scapegoat. He didn't do anything team wise, you know. From the sounds of it, he wasn't a team player. It appeared that he was the kind of guy that would go hide in his office, come up with a game plan, talk to his coaches that were specific for for position, like his quarterback coach, his offensive line coach, running back coach, and then gave them the game plan. And nobody ever really talked to each other, which put a lot of people on the wrong page. One hundred percent understandable guy guys to get out of there. You know, had had 400 yards collectively offensively in his entire tenure as a Pittsburgh Steelers offensive coordinator. And in his first game gone, the Steelers turned the ship around and, and put up 400 yards plus They only put up 16 points, which is pretty much on par with what the Steelers have been putting up points wise this entire year, but yards and, and the way the flow of the game went, it did look better, you know, against the Cardinals up until Kenny Pickett got hurt. I'll say that it didn't look the same as Cincinnati, but it wasn't what it was since Kenny Pickett got hurt. Since Kenny Pickett got hurt, they reverted back to this offense that's just pitiful. But hopefully now that, you know, Mitch Trubisky has a full week of practice, maybe he can get it going and become more of that money Mitch than that Mitch too risky that we've been seeing here. But I digress. So you have some pretty questionable comments there from the Pittsburgh Steelers receiver. You know, he's basically saying that, you know, play calls and route running is why he's not being successful. And then what he's showing online is that he doesn't have a quarterback that can get him the ball. That's a lot of problems when you break it down offensively for the Pittsburgh Steelers and maybe perhaps some that you're not going to be able to find ancillary. Answers for this year. Let's just be honest with it. But you never know, man. This is this is a Tomlin coach team. We just kind of hope that he can turn the ship around. You know, he, you know, Tomlin, uh, George Bacons weren't the only players taking criticism this year or this week. Uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, a guy that's you know took what, five weeks out because it his, you know. He, Injured hamstring has taken a little bit of criticism from former player Chris Hoke for having zero impact plays this season. Hasn't had any forced fumbles, any fumble recoveries, no interceptions. I think he's only had two passes defended this entire season. So, yeah, is it a down season for Minka Fitzpatrick? Yeah, I I, I think you can say it is, but there's a little bit of context that goes with it. Like, for instance, there's no um, real strong safety next to him, and they're having to utilize him in the box more often than not versus having a Terrell Edmonds type of player out there who was – Able to go into the box and cover, you know, those type of plays underneath, which would allow Mika Fitzpatrick to play the deep ball hawking safety that he is. Sears haven't been able to utilize him in that manner. You know, they've been utilizing him all over the field to compensate for undercomings from their secondary, whether it be a slower, you know, secondary, because you have Patrick Peterson, who's up there in age. You have Levi Wallace, who's never been known as a speed guy. Joey Porter he's he's been a pleasant surprise. You know, I was really concerned going into the draft that the Steelers were going to draft him based on name alone and that he wasn't going to be able to produce, but man has he been able to produce. You know, he's not the fastest guy out there, but he's got length to him that kind of makes up for that speed. You know, he's able to get his arms up uh and and get into spaces and create a smaller throw window for quarterbacks. And it makes it more difficult for him. I think he's probably one of the biggest you know, draft picks the Pittsburgh Steelers had this year, who's going to end up making a huge contribution over his tenure with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But, you know, Chris Hope coming out and saying that Mika Fitzpatrick not having the greatest year this year either. I think he's playing out of position. And I think that maybe perhaps you, know, you hear the rumblings there, that Terrell Austin is possibly out the door and he's being looked at as for head coaching uh, jobs in college that he might be able to take or might be taking, which kind of leads to me to believe that maybe the end is near for this coaching staff, including Tomlin. Uh, you know, you're looking at a new offensive coordinator this off season, possibly another defensive coordinator, maybe even another offensive line coach because, you know, this offensive line just hasn't been what it was supposed to be. I mean, you, you go and look at what other offensive linemen have done in the league since they've left the Pittsburgh Steelers, Kevin Dotson, Kendrick Green, the short stint that he had prior to his injury all became very formidable, g- good offensive linemen that were n- <laughs> that it was noted upon by mainstream media and, you know, everybody talking about football that, hey, you have these two guys that are being, you know, they're, they're really good offensive linemen. And these two guys were guys that were criticized the heaviest when it came to Steelers fans and about their offensive line. So maybe perhaps Pet Meyer isn't the way you got to go. And so if you're having a complete restructure and redo of your coaching staff, right, or with a coach that only has one year left on his contract, that's a big gamble, right? You're, you're playing a big risk right there because let's just say it doesn't pan out the way we hope, right? And in the offseason next year, the Steelers just don't, you know, rehire Mike Tomlin like they you know, done with many of offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators in the past. Let them play out their contract and then just not resign them. If the Steelers end up doing something like that, then they're going to bring in a new guy next year. Now, unless you, you know, promote Your offensive coordinator, which if you did that, that means that you're probably taking the decision out of Mike Tomlin's hands as to who the offensive coordinator is. I mean, if you're only looking at him as a possibility of being there one year and then having to redo another 100 percent. Redo of the coaching staff. It's not a formula for successful football anytime soon. So if you if you had a succession plan for Mike Tomlin that you're going to bring in somebody else, you're probably going to want to take control over as far as Art Rooney goes. Who's going to be that offensive coordinator? Because they may be the next coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So you're going to want somebody that's not going to follow Coach D to his next spot. Somebody who's independent and somebody that you know isn't hired by Mike Tomlin. And when you look at something like that, where you're having the coaching staff around you being chosen for you by the ownership of the team, that doesn't sound like there's a lot of confidence in you. So, you know, the end might be near for Tomlin if things don't, you know, pan out in the right direction. You know, I think the Steelers end up turning it around somehow, winning a playoff game. and We'll probably see an extension this year for Coach D. If they don't, you know I I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of people are talking about his seat getting real warm. You know, if you're going to fire your head coach, I think this offseason, is probably the best one because you're already having to go through an overhaul with the rest of the coaching staff. I'd hate to do it two years in a row. You know, Steelers aren't shy of doing a couple of overhauls here and there. Um, you can look at the offensive line, you know, put two new players in the offensive line each year for the last two years, right? Right. You look at the um, offensive line coach, I mean, they, they went through since Mike Munchak. I think that Pat Meyer is the only coach to have had two years to coach the offensive line since then. You know, they have had a carousel of, of offensive line coach. So I don't know. I mean, there's a big question mark for the Steelers. And as far as the state of the Steelers, even more question marks. But we're going to take a quick break from our sponsors. When we get back, we're going to talk more about the Indianapolis Colts and, this, and that game and the matchup that the Steelers have this upcoming Saturday tomorrow at 430 p.m. Eastern at Luca, Lucas Oil Stadium. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to State of the Steelers. Welcome back to the show. We're gonna talking about the Steelers versus Colts. We're going to preview the upcoming matchup. It's tomorrow, 4.30 p.m. Eastern. Colts right now, they're two and a half point favorites. Uh, Steelers lead... The series record between the Steelers and the Colts, 26 to 6. In the last meeting, the Steelers beat the Colts, 24 to 17. Here we go. Here we go. But before we get into it, I want to remind you guys about our website, steelcurrentnetwork.com, your one-stop shop for Pittsburgh Steelers news and coverage. You don't want to miss it every day, multiple times a day, breaking news, articles that come out about your team, giving you up-to-date on your team. So that way, when you're talking about your team to your friends and family, You're up to date on the latest news and coverage. Don't want to miss it. While you're there, check out our other audio only podcasts, including my other one, Uh, Hangover with Shannon White airs out Monday nights. Don't want to miss it. I'm sure you guys are already listening to Let's Ride, Stag Geek and Bad Language. But if not, go check those guys out as well. You won't be disappointed. So the Pittsburgh Steelers are going up against this team right now that in the Indianapolis Colts who are also going through some injuries. Um, none bigger than Jonathan Taylor. He's going to be out again this year, recovering from a thumb surgery that he had last a couple of weeks ago, replacing him is Zach Moss. Who's had, you know, some strong runs earlier this season, but last couple of weeks hasn't really been what he was before. Maybe he's ramping up. Steals need to keep an eye on him. Still, Another player to watch, like I meant you know, title of the show is Mitch Trubisky. Is it going to be Money Mitch or Mitch Too Risky? You know, this is his second start after the injured Kenny Pickett. You know, the first one didn't go so well, but he had literally like a what a one and a half practices. And I think majority of them were walkthroughs. So he really didn't have all the preparation in the world. I don't think it's an excuse when you see a Joe Flacco come off of the, the couch and do the things that he's done. But, you know, some people look out there and say, hey, we got an excuse for Mitch Trubisky. He didn't practice much. All right. OK, well. That's not the case this year, and I don't think that was the case last year or, or any of the times that he's come in outside of maybe perhaps the Tampa Bay game. I think the Tampa Bay game last year was his probably his best performance, and that was in also coming in for an injured Kenny Pickett. So, I mean, he, he wasn't the number one then. He wasn't the first team guy. He'd been taking backup reps, and yet he came in and played fine. I don't know. I, I, I'm not one to to like excuses for anybody. You know, you can take it as I you is. But he has that excuse. He didn't have that. He threw an early interception. Should have had three interceptions, honestly, on, on that day. And then at the end of the game, he made a questionable decision to throw the ball deep to Deontay Johnson with that fourth and two in the midfield. So, you know, that play there is the one that I was talking about earlier when we're talking about George Pickens and we're talking about him being not too happy with the routes that he's running. And on fourth and two, when, you know, you have Mitch Trubisky throw up a deep, you know, prayer to... Deontay Johnson, who's covered, covered very well. But underneath, had he thrown the route that was intended for? And I know Coach Tomlin said after the after the game in the press conference that that was the play intended. But when has he ever thrown his quarterback under the bus or ever been honest about his quarterback? Let's just put it that way. I mean, we can go back to. See Ben Roethlisberger throwing an interception to the D lineman and him blaming Antonio Brown for not running a flatter route. Remember that game against, I think it was, what Denver, you know, coach T didn't come out there saying, Hey, you know, Ben Roethlisberger has to put a better ball out there. This, that, and a third. He never, never throws, you know, he's never honest. I'm not even saying throwing his quarterback under the bus, but at least be honest about the situation. You know, he'll, he'll throw the defense under the bus. And even when they, you know, have an interception or or whatnot and get a turnover. It's always, well, you know, it wasn't in the best position kind of turnover. It didn't give us points. It didn't put us in the red zone. It only stopped points from the other team. I don't like that. I don't like that crap. It irritates me like no other. When there's no accountability and there's blaming of, uh, of a side of the field that has done everything to keep you in games and the only reason the Pittsburgh Steelers are seven and six I mean come on now there there's been multiple games where the defense has scored more points than the offense there's been a game where the special teams has scored more points than the offense that was against Green Bay remember the Miles Kilbrew block that ended up turning into a safety and a handful of field goals there by by Boswell you know that were put in position there because of the defense as well and just Kingston and the fact that there is no accountability at the quarterback position, it drives me insane. But on that play, Coach T said that that was the ball it was designed to go deep. It was designed to throw it over the top. You want to take chances. He even even compared it to the deep throw with with George Pickens in Baltimore. But I don't know, maybe maybe his memory is, is not what it used to be. But I believe that was a second down and nine, not a fourth and two with the game on the line in the last freaking drive that you have to win the game. So, you know, I mean, I get it. If, if it was Ben Roethlisberger, is he probably doing the same thing? Yeah, but Ben Roethlisberger has a tenure, and he's got some trust that he can make that throw. Mitch Trubisky doesn't have that here with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't even think he has that there with the with the Chicago Bears at one point. That you're like, hey, ball on the line, fourth and two. Let's, let's run a deep ball. It doesn't make any sense. So Coach T said that that was the play, but when you break down the play itself, Pat Fryer move, is running a route where he's taking out his or he's moving his defender out of the picture and at the same time pushing the defender that is covering Allen Robinson out of the picture. It's basically a rub route. And Allen Robinson's going to come wide open underneath. I mean, is it a tough throw a little bit? Maybe. You know, there is a uh, defensive back coming from the opposite side of the field, but he's far. You know, if if you put it on his shoulder there, and get him to stop his momentum from going forward into that defensive back, who's still pretty far away. He's coming from the opposite side of the field. You know, that's the first down all day, but he doesn't go there. He just tosses it up and ended the game. And I just don't get it. Now, one thing that the Pittsburgh Steelers can do against the Colts, because the Colts defense is pretty good. They have a really good um pass rush. You know, this is something else to keep your eye on. You know, Indy is tied for third in the league with 42 sacks. But last week, Jake Browning for the Bengals was able to take advantage of their aggressive pass rush by hitting them with some some screen game. Now, I don't know if the Steelers can copy that. The Steelers are not the best screen team in the world. Well, they haven't been the best te- screen team in the world. A lot of times and here recently when I've watched the screens, it just kind of looks like a lot of people don't know what they're doing. You know, you have offensive linemen sometimes leaving early or getting upfield early. You have a quarterback Sometimes that will pull, put the ball on the back shoulder of the running back running a screen, forcing that, that running back to, to do a 360 turn before they go upfield, which loses time, field, momentum, and usually ends up with a negative loss. You know, That was Kenny Pickett. I Mr. Mean, Biscay's in, so maybe perhaps he can throw the screen pass a little bit better. But I haven't seen the screen game work for the Pittsburgh Steelers well. What has worked somewhat well for the Steelers here in recent weeks is the play-action pass. So I think they're going to have to take advantage of the Colts' aggressiveness by hitting them with some play action pass. Now, the Steelers don't really do that often either, but when they do do it, it has been more successful than when they do do the screens, in my opinion. Some notable injuries. I know we talked about Jonathan Taylor being out. Zach Moss will be replacing him. Like I said, he's had a strong year to start out the year, uh, you know, in place for Jonathan Taylor as he wasn't playing earlier this season uh, due to contract issues. But now that he's had a couple of games getting back into it, um, he's going to be somebody that the Steelers need to watch. But for the Steelers, they're going to get T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith back. Both guys went into concussion protocol after last week's Thursday night game. Against the New England Patriots. It, it appears that both of these guys are back. They're they're healthy. They're good to go. You know, it was a good thing that Steelers played on Thursday night. Well, that's the one positive thing about playing on a Thursday night is you get along a long little mini bye week afterwards. You know, it sucks going into it because there is no preparation, no time to heal, things like that. But when you go on it on the back end, it it is pretty nice. Uh, but this is one of those things where I, I bring up and I kind of want to talk about it real quick is player safety, y'all. Everybody complains right now about how bad the league is. Right, offenses look crappy. Quarterbacks aren't what they were. You know, you have other quarterbacks coming out like Tom Brady and possibly Aaron Rodgers saying that you know the quarterback play in the league isn't great. Well, I think that that also has to do with injuries in the NFL and the way that they do things. You know, player safety issues too. You have a, a league that maybe perhaps has overdone it a little bit. You know, you you've taken away the physicality out of the out of practices, which is leaving you know players vulnerable or. For, for injury on the field, in my opinion, because, you know, they're not taking those hits during practice. Their body isn't getting calloused to those hits. So when they go full force on Sundays, it's going to create more injuries. You're also having less uh, chemistry built between your quarterbacks and your receivers and your offense because they're not getting hit during practice. So when you're going into the game and there's actual live, live players coming at you, big different story, right? And then you have the implications of Thursday night games without putting a bye week before. When you have that option there. Everybody gets a freaking bye week, right? Everybody has a bye week. Why not put that bye week before the Thursday night game? Give the teams, both teams a chance to to heal before that game, after that game, and a chance to prepare for that game, in my opinion. I mean, it's all about, about safety here, right? I mean, you have these Thursday night games, you have this physicality that's going on, or lack thereof, and uh, during the week, and then on Sundays have it you know turned up to the max, you're going to end up having injuries. How many stars are out right now in the NFL you know, due to Achilles, ACLs, any other type of injuries that are out there? You know, How many quarterbacks are out? I mean, there's two out, three in our conference as far as starting quarterbacks go. The three starting quarterbacks in the AFC North, you know, you had Kenny Pickett, Joe Burrow, and Deshaun Watson all out. And if Kenny Pickett doesn't make it this back this year, you know, or if the Steelers lose a couple games and there's no point in throwing them out there, and Then all three of those guys at the time of their injury were out for the season, which was a big part of the season left. I mean, that's just our conference. I mean, that's just our division. I think that that is going to play a toll in the game. You're going to have your stars out, you know, especially towards the end of the season, because that's when injuries start to compile up. Right. You have 17 games. You've added a game, didn't add a bye week. So now you got players out. You have backup quarterbacks in quarterback play sucks. Receivers aren't catching the ball. Routes are all over the place. Nobody's on the same page. This is the product that we're going to get when you when you over micromanage the league. But it does benefit the Pittsburgh Steelers to a certain point, to a certain degree. Because although they have to go through the same hardship as the rest of the league, given, you know, lack of practices and injuries and things of that nature. But where they lack in talent or, or camaraderie, they make up for it with the other teams also lacking in that. So it kind of kind of levels out the playing field and gives the Steelers, you know, a fighting chance to win any any given Sunday, to be honest with you. I mean, the rest of these teams, the Steelers can go in there and win. They can win by three. They can lose by three touchdowns. You know that's just where we are right now with this team and with the NFL. Period. Who would have thought the Chiefs would have lost last week and in the in the manner that they did to a Bills team that eh, has been playing somewhat better since they fired their offensive coordinator, uh, but still a team that's not even in the playoffs yet. Which they did show their true colors after the game. Uh, the Chiefs that is, and how egotistical they are and how privileged they feel that you know their their receiver should be allowed to take a step offsides and because the play ended up being a touchdown and you know, was a backwards pass and all this other stuff could have been in the Hall of Fame, which I, I think you're kind of maybe making more of your own play than what it was. You know, I get it. It was backwards pass by a tight end on a day where one of the greater tight ends in the league that has ever played in the league. Frank Whitechick passed away. It may have been in honoring him. And I think that's why they were so upset about it. But it seemed like they were more upset about that play not being called or being allowed on the, on the field. than it was that they lost the game to begin with. So priorities aren't really there for them, which is good for the Steelers because they can take advantage of that. And I think a lot of teams can take advantage of that. And, and the Chiefs have lost some games that you probably wouldn't have expected them to lose this season. Now Packers are one team that they lost to. The Bills at 7 and 6 are another team that they lost to. The Broncos are a team that they lost to. So they've also put up some games that aren't impressive as well. And then you got the, you know, the Baltimore Ravens at top of the league right now, but the Steelers beat them. And I think they got the Lamar Jackson's number, but, you know, we'll see. There's one more game to be played against them. It's not over. The Steelers still got a chance. You know, they they can do some stuff here. You know, you're going up against a backup quarterback. This is I think what the fifth or sixth backup quarterback this season that the Pittsburgh Steers are going to be facing. Uh, Let's exploit that. You know, they're not going to be having the pressure of being in front of the home, you know, stands where they're going to get booed if they don't perform right away. Or if Mitch Trubisky throws one bad pass right away on the first or second drive, you know, the stadium would go crazy in, in Pittsburgh. Right. In Indianapolis, that may not be the same thing. Um, you're going to see maybe perhaps, you know, this team you know get over themselves a little bit. You know what I'm saying? They're down on themselves is what I mean. They're not they're not over themselves in a positive way. They're down on themselves. There's a lot of turmoil. You can see it. You know, you can read it in comments and, and press conferences. And the only thing that's going to cure that is winning. And the Steelers need to win. This is a playoff game for them. You know, as far as predictions go, I'm going to actually take the Pittsburgh Steelers in this game. I think that, given the fact that they're on the road, and I think that the Colts, I think they are only won two games this year at home, so their away record is better than their home record. So this is all lining up for the Steelers to maybe, perhaps, you got to win, get the upset. They're still Underdogs in this game and move to eight and six and, and one more week closer to the playoffs and one more week closer to securing a playoff spot. I think the Steelers are going to win this game twenty four to seventeen. I think it's going to be closer, but I do think the Steelers pull away. We might even see a Mason Rudolph sighting if things go bad in the first half of this game. You know, when Mason Rudolph was talked to earlier this week during press conferences and asked if he thinks that there's a chance that he's going to play. You know, if he was just the backup quarterback, I think that the the answer is. You know, the right answer is always going to be, you know, when you're a backup quarterback, you're one play away. You know, he's a starting guy. And, you know, if something were to happen injury wise, I'm ready to go. I'm prepared to go and ready to take this opportunity. But what he did say was, you know, I'm going to let the coaching staff answer when or where or how I can come into the game. And that leads me to believe that they've at least told him, hey, you know, be ready because you might see the field and I'm ready to see Mason Rudolph take the field I mean you know coach T talks about football justice the most right I think that what wouldn't be more football justice than Mason Rudolph being successful in the place where he was once booed at for taking the field in a preseason game well that's all I got for you guys today I hope you guys enjoyed the show I'll be back on Monday with Shannon White on the hangover you don't want to miss it I'll be I'm out of here let's go Steelers let's win another one let's get in the playoffs let's do the unthinkable peace